When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Howdy, everybody. Two minutes past on this Thursday, 25th day of May. We are getting closer and closer to June, to summer, holiday weekend. The weather is supposed to be fantabulous. Oh, life couldn't be better right now. What is going on, everybody? Dan Grasso Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Half the show tonight, but it's going to be twice as outstanding because we're taking it right up until 8.30, and then it's Game 5. We didn't know if we would have a Game 5, but we have one, and now the momentum is slowly, I'm not going to say fully, but slowly maybe shifting back to the Boston Celtics because they got a game tonight in their gym. Heat are going to be without Gabe Vincent, one of their important players. Now, it's not Jimmy Butler, but you know what? Gabe Vincent's been good this postseason. Right? I mean, that's like almost 18 points a pop. Not having him in the lineup tonight could also play into the Celtics' favor here. So we'll take you up to Boston, game five at 8.30. So we got a lot of things that we got to squeeze in between now and then at 800-919-3776. Joe Leo and Harvey Cruz, they're producing the program. Cameo appearances already by Jacob Perry and Anthony Pusick. It's a free-for-all. Anybody that wants to be part of the program can be a part of the program. That's why we like it. It's an open-door policy. Here on this show. You get me on Twitter as well, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. So we got the basketball a little bit later on, which we'll have some thoughts on as well. A little bit of football conversation. Giants in action today out at East Rutherford. Some OTAs, Daniel Jones, Darren Waller. We'll hear from them. Also, the head coach spoke. Got into the hole. Where's Saquon? When is Saquon going to show up as we get closer to maybe the beginning of the NFL summer vacation and then we could turn the page to training camp and then the fall and what promises to be a pretty optimistic football season for these two locals here with the Giants and the Jets you think about it too like I mean you got to go back I don't know how long I mean I'm sure that we will do it between at some point between now and when the season starts but I can't remember the last time that we went into a football season with both locals having as high of expectations as the Jets and Giants are going to have here for the 2023 season. So that makes things that much more optimistic for us. And as I said, we'll do plenty of that here throughout the course of the evening. Start with the baseball, though, because both of them in action again tonight. Both of them getting ready to close out series. Yankees rubber match tonight against the Baltimore Orioles out in the Bronx. They're going to give the ball to Clark Schmidt. Kyle Gibson will counter for the O's. We'll talk about them coming up in just a bit. want to start with the Mets, though, because, look, are you optimistic tonight if you're a Met fan that they're actually going to find a way to get up off the mat in Wrigley Field? I'm not. You know, I mean, the history is, is going against them first and foremost. And the fact that they're playing in a ballpark, as I've talked about the last couple of nights, that it has been a house of horrors for them, save for the 2015 LCS. I mean, they just don't play good baseball at Wrigley Field. I mean, they showed the, the stat on the scoreboard the other night or whatever it was. You know, they're 18 and 44 in the last 20 years at Wrigley Field. I mean, that that's putrid. That's like Oakland A's bad, right? And so tonight, you got to find a way to win a game. You're giving the ball to a guy you don't have a hell of a lot of confidence in, in Carlos Carrasco. You can't. 
Now, maybe the one saving grace that you have going into the game tonight is that Chicago's going to counter with Kyle Hendricks, who, you know, has been a good pitcher throughout his career, but this is his season debut. He's coming back off of surgery. He's probably going to be on a strict pitch count. But, you know, this Mets lineup, they have a way of sometimes making things easy and accommodating for the opposing pitcher. And you sure as hell hope that that's not going to be the case tonight. You know, they actually I, – I was stunned to see Francisco Alvarez's name in the lineup tonight for Buck Showalter and company. Because generally, like when a guy is a good game and Alvarez, again, hit one out of the yard last night, normally they get rewarded by a good game by having to sit the bench the next time out. Right? I mean, that's generally the way the buck goes about making out these lineups. But, you know, the Mets are in a situation right now, they need all contributors. Because if you have designs on going to the postseason and being a good team and not falling too far out of the mix in the National League East, you know, when you play a team like Chicago Cubs, who are a sub-500 team, who were scuffling coming into the series, you know, you don't want to go in and get swept in their ballpark. Because right after this, you're going to go on a plane and you're going to head out to Colorado to take on a Rockies team, which took care of business against you at City Field not too long ago. So I don't think you're in a situation now, if you're the Mets, where any team is considered a given. And then last night, again, more problems for Kodai Senga on the I mean, it's getting to the point now with Senga where he's got to figure this thing out. Or else the Mets are going to be in a situation where they moved heaven and earth to get this guy you know, outbid all the other suitors to make sure that they could bring him to Queens and he can't pitch on the road. Because what is it going to come to now? Like the Mets are going to have to manipulate the rotation to where Senga can only pitch at City Field? God forbid he pitches a game on the road where he's got an ERA over six right now? I mean, you see his whip, if you guys are into those type of statistics? His whip is over 1.5, which is in like Carlos Carrasco territory. That's putrid. He's got to be better. You know, before the season started, before we even thought that there would be some issues involving Max Scherzer and that, you know, Verlander would be on the shelf for a month at the beginning of the year, Kodai Senga was somebody in this starting rotation that we all kind of viewed as the X factor, right? Because you thought you were going to get an honest performance out of Scherzer and Verlander, right? Given their history, their future Hall of Famers, you kind of knew what you were going to expect from them. Senga was going to be that wild card. Can he step in as that number three and pitch like a top-of-the-rotation type of starter? And so far, he's had his moments, but he hasn't been consistent enough, and that has got to change. And then you look on the flip side about the guy who did them in last night in Marcus Stroman. And it's a guy who, look, spent a couple of years here. Um, to say that he could rub some people the wrong way is putting it mildly. I think plainly speaking and just talking to some folks, you know, within the organization, I think when the time came for him to go to free agency, I think they looked at the Marcus Stroman situation as a guy who maybe wore out his welcome a little bit and that they weren't exactly shedding too many tears that the Cubs gave him an offer that the Mets were not even going to go near in terms of matching. And I don't even know if there was even all that much effort by the Mets to retain him. So Stroman is a guy who, look, I mean, he's a self-motivator. He's a guy who is going to use, you know, the us against the world mentality or him against the world mentality. Everybody is out to get me and that type of thing. And last night, you know, he could sit there and say all he wants after the game that it wasn't a quote-unquote revenge game for him. But you know that he approached it that way. And he probably got up for that start just as much as any start he's had this year, if not more. And give him credit, he went out there and he shut down that lineup and he walked off the field of Victor. And when he was, you know, pounding his glove there, getting out of that eighth inning jam and getting Alvarez to hit into that double play, you know, he felt it pretty good. He was enjoying himself. 
And he has every right to act like that because he went out there and did his job. Now, after the game, you had some guys in the paper talking of, you know, unnamed anonymous Mets that, you know, maybe didn't take too kindly to it, you know, didn't like the fact that he was pointing into the dugout and mouthing things to the Mets, even though no player on that team or no manager or the coaching staff or anything, you know, those guys had no say on what his future was with the Mets. Remember, the coaching staff and everybody, that's all new, right? All new front office. So that stuff you have to bury behind you a little bit. But if you want to stick it to the uniform because you used to wear it and they decided that maybe they'd be better off going in a different direction, well, you know what? More power to you. But you know that it certainly caught the antenna of some people with the Mets and so much so that today Buck Showalter was asked just about that, you know, maybe some of Stroman's demonstrative acts, and then you had a couple of Mets, as I said, anonymously, you know, kind of questioning why he was so overly charged about beating them. Here was the manager. Do you have any reaction to Stroman yelling into your dugout last night? Really? Anonymous sources? Uh, no, I don't. I mean, it's pretty much doesn't surprise anybody, right? kind of MO, right? If you don't like it, do something about it. Play better. Yeah, I mean, look, Buck's telling the truth right there. You know, that's Strowman's MO. That's his game. That's his act. You know, when he's not doing it with his thumbs on Twitter, he's, you know, he's doing it on the mound. But you got to pitch well to act like that. You know, and Strowman was a guy who got off to a great start this year, but then kind of came back to the pack last few times out, and last night he was really, really good again. But Buck is also a 1,000% accurate when he said – that if you want to shut a guy up and you don't want him to act that way towards you, you go out there and you hit him. When I say hit him, you let your bats do the talking. Not hit him physically like with your fist. No. When he throws the ball, you hit it. You hit it all over the yard. And they didn't do that consistently enough last night, and that's why they lost. So you know what? For one night, he could do all the chirping he wants. He's allowed to do it. But maybe they'll see him again down the road, if I'm not mistaken. Cubs got to make a trip to City Field. A little bit later on in the season. Let me look that up when that's coming. That's in August, 7, 8, and 9 of August. The Cubs will be in town, so maybe Stroman will get another pitching assignment then and the Mets can repay the favor. You know, I'm sure Stroman will be charged up to pitch that game again, coming back home, you know, his old stomping grounds. It's amazing. A guy who, you know, is from here, he has all this, like, hate and animosity towards the two teams here. Remember, he hates the Yankees because Cashman uh, talked about that he was never going to be anything more than a spare arm or a bullpen arm why the Yankees didn't go try to trade for him that one year, which is, I think, where he really wanted to go, right? Remember when the Mets traded for him in 19 and they brought him along at the trade deadline? Like, we all thought that he was going to go to the Yankees. And remember there was that report that that day that Toronto traded him away and he got word after that game that Sunday afternoon that, you know, you heard behind closed doors that he was throwing a hissy fit because he found out he was going to the Mets, and he really wanted to go to the Yankees. So, number one, his feelings were hurt. Then you had the GM of the team come out and say, well, we didn't really think all that highly of him, so he's going to use that as fuel and motivation. And for the most part, when he was here with the Mets, remember, Stroman was the guy who opted out of the 2020 season, the COVID season. Mets welcomed him back with open arms the next year. Never did anything wrong by him, but yet, you know, he wants to spit on them too. But, you know, look, good for him. You know, He's the Cubs now, and they're paying him probably a little bit more than uh, I would have given him. But, hey, now go win games for the Chicago Cubs. And if he's got to pitch against the Mets again in August when he shows up, Mets can have a chance to repay the favor. We'll see what happens. But bottom line is Mets got to get themselves a win tonight. You don't want to get swept. 
You want to at least head into Colorado feeling a little bit better about yourself. Rockies had a walk-off win today. I was watching some of that before the show today against the Marlins, where they blew a four-run lead in the ninth inning and then came back and actually won it in the bottom of the ninth. So that place is always a tricky ballpark to go to at Coors Field, even though the Mets are going to have Scherzer and Verlander pitching two of the games out there this weekend. And finally, we got word about what the catching situation is going to look like, right? Were they going to tinker at all with Francisco Alvarez? Because Tomas Nito came back off the I can't see injured list or whatever the hell he was on the, the IL for. You know, he was having vision problems or whatever. Maybe he can actually hit the ball now. So he's back, and people thought that, oh, but they're going to send out Francisco Alvarez, which would have been a crime if they did because he's one of the only guys that's consistently producing in this lineup right now. And they did the wise thing. They sent Gary Sanchez packing. I mean, Gary Sanchez was only here for five minutes, but in five minutes you realize, geez, this is why the Giants and the Twins and the Yankees have given up on this guy, and now the Mets are that fourth team. We'll see if Sanchez is going to catch on someplace else in Major League Baseball this year. So that's where we stand right now with the team from Queens. 800-919-3776 is the telephone number. But it's amazing. You know, they started to build up these good vibes last week. They won five in a row. All them by a run. All them come from behind. But you got to look a little bit deeper than the results, as I said last night, right? I mean, because I don't think playing baseball like that is sustainable. You can't just depend on coming from behind day in and day out. You have to actually, you know, play with a lead once in a while. Go out there and play good baseball for all nine innings and not just show up when you feel like showing up. And they've been fighting it here the last couple of days, and you hope that they could get it straightened out before going to Colorado this weekend. We shall see. Yankees in action tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. That one is underway. We'll talk a little bit about that. And we'll get into some hoops as well at 800-919-ESPN, 800-919-3776. Dan Gross' show, half show tonight. Remember, we're going until 8.30. Then it's game five between the Heat and the Celtics right here on 98.7 ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Woke up this morning and went out to run some errands, and I looked across the street, and what was on my street? A couple of deer, one pretty big, the antlers, the whole nine yards, and I said I did not expect to see them this morning, but nevertheless... Drove off my street. One of them stopped dead in his tracks, turned and looked right at me and made eye contact. And I remember what the, like, I'm always afraid they're going to, like, charge at the car. Because you always hear all this, like, these stories about, like, you know, when these deer in the car and the damage that it does to your vehicle and this and that. I, I always am leery of that stuff. And we've had some problems in this area, too, with the deer, like, on and off over the last couple of years. But 
Freaks me out. What can I say? But it was a, a harm-free situation earlier today, which is good. 800-919-3776. Get to the calls in just a second here. Uh, Yanks Orioles just underway tonight in the Bronx with Clark Schmidt on the mound. In a little bit of trouble here in the top of the first. He's got the bases loaded. He's got to work out of here. But, you know, last night I was shocked when we finished the show Yankees were still winning. Yankees were still in control because, remember, you had the long rain delay. Game didn't start till after 8.30, so it was still only like midway through the game when we said goodbye at 10 o'clock last night. And I, I can't remember what the hell I was doing when the show ended, but I, I wasn't locked into the Yankee game because I thought they were in charge, and plus it was on stupid prime, so I, I, I didn't have it up on the TV streaming. I had the um, whatever games were on uh, on the TV on the screens. And then when I saw that Baltimore came all the way back and took the lead, and then I saw how it all unfolded there, and it was all at the expense of Nestor as he pitched later into that game, you know, that one sends off signals a little bit. And and really, I think as a whole, what you've seen from Nestor so far this season. And that's not to say that it's really all that shocking. Because when I look at a pitcher, and guys like him, who last year had a career season, not just in terms of results, you know, all-star, finished in the top 10 in the Cy Young. A guy who, you know, for much of the season was probably somebody you would consider to be their most consistent starting pitcher. It's not so much the results and their breakthrough season, which maybe, at least in my eyes, bring about some concern for what do they do as a follow-up. It's more about the workload. Because last year was the first time in his career that he touched 100 innings. And I know that's not like a hell of a lot in the grand scheme of things. Like, you know, in the good old days, starting pitchers would throw well over, you know, 250. But this was the first time Nestor even went triple digits in his career. So what is always the follow-up season after you have the career high in workload? And are the results maybe going to regress to the mean a little bit? And maybe that's just what's happening here with him, right? Or maybe he's going to be able to figure it out in the second half of the season or, or at some point. But... You know, there is a little bit of carryover effect. Remember, he was nicked up a little bit in spring training, getting out of the gates as well. But you didn't expect the five-and-a-half ERA from Nestor Cortez. And especially this Yankee rotation, you know, the injuries that they've dealt with as well, you're going to need somebody like him to figure this thing out. Cole can't do it all by himself. And Cole, we've seen, you know, has shown some cracks here last few times out. So that bears watching, I think, certainly over the next little while about Nestor and whether or not he's going to regain the form that he showed last year where he was, you know, one of the best pitchers in the American League. No other way about it. All right, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let us go to the phones. We'll start it off with our good buddy. He is Artie in Brooklyn right here on the Dan Grazer Show. Art, what's going on, bud? Dan the man, what's going on, bud? Artie. Talk to me. What's so, up? So listen. Do we have to have our coach start off by, like, telling everybody that he thinks that we're one of the top eight teams to win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Can we beat Detroit first and the Jaguars first before we start knocking them and saying they don't have a chance at the Super Bowl? Can we win the division before we start saying that Miami doesn't have a chance to win? Or are they part of the six? I don't know. No, I don't think Miami's part of the Yeah. So, I don't understand. All right? I got it. Last, You know, last year when he said the thing about the tickets? I got it. You know, he, he stood, stood by his team. Why can't you just say, 
Kevin. You don't like so that? One of the clips. Yeah, go ahead. No, I don't. No, I was going to say. It's, it's right all over again. It's right all over. But, but, and, but you know, let, and, let, me, and, 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 let me play devil's advocate. I'll, I'll let you finish. Let me play ahead. devil's advocate, though. And, I, and, and, and look, you're expressing your point. I get it. But when you look at where this team has been for the last dozen years, basically not in any type of conversation, forget about winning a championship, not in any kind of conversation to even go to the playoffs. When you have your head coach come out and say something like that in May, which, again, they don't hand out trophies in the offseason, but when you have him say something like that, that's what the team is believing. That's what the attitude in the building is. And, oh, by the way, don't think the shiny new toy, the quarterback, is not largely responsible for that because he is rubbing off on everybody there. Yeah, but I, I got that, Dan. But you know what? His inner confidence in him and the team is one thing. To call and call out, you know what's going to happen? My experience with coaches like this, okay? They don't play disciplined, and they play to their they play to the level of their their opponent. I can see this team beating Buffalo and losing to Atlanta because their their heads don't fit through the door. It's exactly what happens with Rex's teams. I don't know if you remember this when they made the AFC champ. Everybody's going crazy. Of course, I was there when they played the Falcons. Mm, Tony okay? Gonzalez. And their mighty defense was right there, and they had one play left. Yep. And they left Gonzalez wide mm-hmm. open. One guy that they couldn't let him beat. Yeah. And that was a typical Rex type of defense. And I saw it again last year. I'm not kidding. Fourth and 40 or whatever. I mean, fourth and one to give up a 48-yard pass to a tight end that never caught a pass before. That's undisciplined. And that's what, that's what I saw with this team time and time again. And I hope that doesn't happen this year. All right, Dan. Thanks for taking the call, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. You're the best. You, you really are. See, art is great because it's May 25th. All right? Season doesn't kick off until, well, for the Jets, September the 11th. So we are three and a half months away from any meaningful football. And we don't even know if there's going to be a kickoff return executed in any of these games, as we talked about last night. I mean, there must, might just be a bunch of touchbacks and fair catches, you know, if the NFL wants to have it their way. But nevertheless, Art is sitting here on May 25th and getting all fired up over something Robert Sala said about the Jets having a chance to compete for a championship this year. And then he's going to go back to, what, week 15 of last year. In a game against the Lions where they gave up that last-minute touchdown to the third-string tight end on a bootleg um, from midfield. In a game, by the way, which I like to you know, conveniently bring up, it should not have come down to that final drive because Zach Wilson played that game. The offense left a lot of points on the field that day, in my opinion. And maybe if another quarterback was healthy and playing in that game, I think that the offense would have fared a lot better to where the game would not have come down to that final possession that the defense aired on, as we said. Also, Quinn and Williams didn't play in that game, if you remember correctly. You know, that was the game where Williams didn't play, and you take him out of that pass rush and out of that defensive line, and, and, and Jared Goff basically played that game in a tuxedo. Nobody else really came near him which I thought was pretty alarming. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I think if you're a fan, I don't know why you would think that's a bad thing. 
just because of given what this team has been through over the last 10 years plus. Now, I, I, I'm not going to make the comparison like Art was saying about the Rex defenses and this and that and maybe talking a little bit above the way the team plays. I think this club needs that confidence. I think the fan base wants to welcome some of that confidence. It's not cockiness. I think it's justified. This was a team that a year ago, on paper, was talented enough to make the playoffs. They didn't. They fell short because they ended up having to play four quarterbacks. Right? But they were in the playoff conversation literally until the very end. So even if they made the playoffs last season and maybe got bounced in the first round, would that statement have been as outlandishly received as maybe some are making it out to be? If you're coming off of a playoff appearance? With a future Hall of Famer now at the quarterback position and you feel like you've shored up the one area that really had that big void on the roster last year? That's how I look at it. Speaking of that quarterback, he did yet another interview and had some interesting things to say. And I'll tell you, continues to hit all the right notes, that's for sure. When talking about his time and kind of getting in the flow of being a member of this franchise and... A guy who's now, let's face it, the face of the franchise. Dan Grasso Show, we roll for another hour until 8.30. Then it's Heat Celtics right here on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight. S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Come out to see DiPietro and Rothenberg live on Thursday, June the 1st, starting at 6 a.m. from Publicans and Manhasset for a special pregame broadcast and music from Randy Zoo. That's next Thursday. That is a week from today. It's just steps away from Manhasset Station on the LIRR, where after the show, the crew is going to take the train to City Field and tailgate in lot F before the matinee game. Pregame party with Rick and Dave brought to you by New York Structural Steel Painting Contractors Association, the Window and Glass Dealers Association of New York, and Tullamore Dew Irish Whiskey. Want to see a lot of people out there? Next Thursday should be a good time. And I think the weather's supposed to be, like, just taking a peek ahead, I think the weather's supposed to be awesome next week. Like, sunny 80s. So, I mean, beautiful day for baseball. So, hopefully it stays just like that. And you have yourself a, uh, a good old time there. So, I mentioned Aaron Rodgers, who clearly has taken the Jet organization by storm. Why wouldn't he? And he has embraced, really, everything about this team. He showed up. What was it, a few weeks ago now? You know, that introductory press conference when you know, everybody lost their mind. And it was actually it was about a month. It was right before the draft. Um, and he hasn't left. He, he's been there virtually every day. 
taking part in OTAs, taking part in meetings, you know, bonding with teammates away from the facility, you know, trying to impart all this knowledge that 18 years of being a future Hall of Fame quarterback and delivering that to some of these other players. In fact, that the guy that he knows this offense like the back of his hand and the guys on this team who were here last year are still trying to pick it up and learn the fine, the finer points of it all. He's an extension of the coaching staff, both in the meeting room and on the practice field. And it's infectious. You know, you've heard, you heard Robert Sala talk about it yesterday. You heard some of the other players talk about it. What just his presence has meant to this organization already. So Aaron uh, spent some time talking to my buddy Adam Shine over on uh, Mad Dog Sports Radio, my old stomping grounds, as a matter of fact, and um, was asked what he defines as success for him in year one with the Jets. I was traded here with the idea that there's a team in place that can win a championship. And, you know, being an older player, that's what you want to do. You want to add to your legacy. And championships obviously really add to your legacy. So I've always said I think there's eight to ten. I think the six you mentioned uh, are all in the conversation. I think there's probably some other ones that, that deserve some uh, some love as well. You know, the AFC, you have the six you mentioned. Four of those are AFC teams. I'm obviously very strong. You have the reigning Super Bowl champs in our conference now. And, you know, one of the best players in the league in, in Patty. Um, and then obviously the Bengals had a great run the previous year. They got a great football team in our division. I think there's four really good teams. We get to see kind of where we stack up in the first game of the year against my buddy Josh and the Buffalo Bills, which would be a fun way to start the season. I hate it, though. And, I, and I, I've made no secret about that. I don't like it. Not that the NFL or Roger Goodell or anybody that has a say in the scheduling, you know, takes my input into consideration. But, uh, you know, it's a free country, so I'm just giving it. I hate division games right out of the chute. Those games are the most important ones you're going to play all year. And when you begin the season, especially nowadays where none of your starters are playing any significant time at all in the preseason, and for them to go out there and then play virtually every single snap, in a huge, important game week one when you're less from your best and, you know, you're not all in sync. I, I, I just don't like having those games right out of the shoot. Giants are going to have one this year, too, with Dallas in week one. Don't like it. Do not like it at all. But nevertheless, we're here. We'll enjoy it when we get there, and you hope for the best. Um, what makes the Jets the perfect next chapter, Aaron? Well, I think change is always difficult, but if you can lean into it, there can be a lot of really beautiful things on the other side. I had an incredible chapter in Green Bay, and now I'm starting a new one in, in New York, New Jersey, and it's just a perfect marriage of, you know, an offense that I know, a, you know, offense coordinator I have a lot of love and respect for, a few common teammates, and then the beauty and all the new relationships you get to form with these new teammates and get to know them and let them get to know you and your style and, and the way you play and the way you lead. And that's kind of what wakes me up in the morning is what conversation is going to come up today is going to be fun, what new kind of new scheme we can we can teach these uh, these guys, and then what can you learn about your teammates today and lastly Aaron actually brought up how about this now I, now I wouldn't think to make this connection but he actually tried to make a connection between the Jets and the 86 Mets now look we know how that journey for the 86 Mets ended it, it ended with them hoisting a trophy and winning a championship and having a parade in the whole nine yards Jet fans can only dream the season comes out even remotely close to that once we get to it this fall. But what about the 86 Mets, Aaron? Last night I was watching the 30 for 30 on the 86 Mets. 
I was always a big Kevin Mitchell fan growing up. He was a giant and had a big year in 1989 where he hit uh, like 47 home runs and drove in 125. And and that team of him and Will Clark and Robbie Thompson and Rick Russell and Candy Maldonado and Jose Uribe. I just loved that team, but I really loved Kevin Mitchell. Many people don't know the entire story, but they were down 3-2 to two and came back in that last game and were able to pull it off down two runs in, in extra innings in the tent there on the Buckner air, which actually put them ahead to win the game 6-5 and then came back in the seventh and won to win the World Series. But just the reaction from the fans was so classic. Uh, and just you realize how special it would be to win a championship anywhere, obviously, but I think especially here in, in New York with a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in 12 years and obviously hasn't, hasn't been back to the Super Bowl since Broadway, Joe. Well, pretty cool. Um, and he's referring to Once Upon a Time in Queens, the four-part 30 for 30 documentary that you know premiered, I guess it was two summers ago, as a matter of fact. And it was outstanding. We had the director on uh, on our shows, I remember, here on 98.7, and it was great. And if you're a Met fan, a baseball fan, they, they were tremendous. And look, I love Aaron, okay? And I know he's still new to these parts, and I give him all the credit trying to, like, you know, catch up on some of the local sports history and so on and so forth. But one thing he said there when he was trying to describe, you know, what went down in Game 6 of the 86 World Series, and he dropped in the not everybody knows the entire story. Aaron, friendly advice, bud, especially if you're a Met fan. There hadn't been a hell of a lot to celebrate since 1986. Anybody that was around for it, they could tell you exactly what happened in Game 6 in 1986. If you're a Met fan and you were alive, that's like the last shining moment that you've had as a fan. It sure wasn't held the last two nights in Chicago with Marcus Stroman. You know, they could recite for you what went on in the 86 World Series just as well as they could recite, you know, what their kid's birthday is probably. We know what happened in the 86 World Series. <laughs> we don't need a refresher course on it, unfortunately. And you know what? Hopefully 30 years from now, 35 years from now, somebody's going to make a documentary about the 2023 New York Jets with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. And they win their first championship in 55 years since Broadway Joe and the whole nine yards. You can only hope. That's pretty cool. Aaron even said he's going to take in one of the Taylor Swift concerts this weekend at MetLife Stadium. I think he knows some people how to get an in and, and how to get tickets. I don't think Aaron's going on to the secondary market to, uh, you know, get some nosebleed seats for 1200 bucks or whatever they're charging. I don't, you know, God bless him, you know, anybody that wants. I, I just, for the life of me, I can't understand it. Like, it, it's on the local news, all this Taylor Swift stuff. I, it's just, it's insane. I mean, people like camping out today, I saw, at the Meadowlands to get, like, merchandise. Not even, like, the show, just to get merchandise. T-shirts, sweatshirts. Bumper stickers, koozies, keychains, the whole nine yards. And they're not allowing anybody into the f- complex over the next few days if you don't have a ticket. Like, you can't just show up and tailgate because the space is going to be that limited. So it's going to be a madhouse. This injustice of beverage consumption. Well, exactly. And, and yes, I did hear Harvey, by the way. You're going to be amazed by this. Anybody that buys a soft drink, even in a souvenir cup, at the one of the Taylor Swift concerts over the next few days, they get a, they get a brand new cup unused. How about that? For thirty bucks or whatever they're going to charge. So a waste of extra cups. Yeah, exactly. You know what? They can afford it. They can afford it. 
that is going to be uh, on a holiday weekend, no less. Right. On a holiday weekend. Imagine if, God forbid, you have to actually like travel and, you know, near the Meadowlands or anything over the next few days. And, and you got to go to work or something like my goodness. That is not the area you want to be in. Uh, that madhouse over the next few nights. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. So some good jet talk there. When we come back, you know what? The Giants spoke today, too. They had some OTAs, allowed the media in. They even allowed some fans, and I think they were waiting to buy Taylor Swift uh, merch. We'll talk about Big Blue when we return. Grasser Show till 830 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Stop the presses. Mets have themselves a first-inning lead. Doesn't happen that often, but they got one tonight. one nothing. Yeah, there you go. Let's go. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Step right up and take a one nothing lead, Mets. And that's all they got. Can't get too excited. And let's face it, they only got it because Kyle Hendricks has thrown his first pitches of the season at the end of May, and he's probably rusty and... They loaded the bases, and they still only got one run, and it was on a sacrifice fly by one of the kids, Brett Beatty. But nevertheless, one nothing. so Carrasco heads to the mound with that, and he'll probably promptly give it back, probably three or four batters into the game minimum, which is generally the way uh, things have been going with him here. So that's the Mets situation. Yanks still scoreless in the third against the Baltimore Orioles. Let's ahead of Tommy in Long Island. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tom, doing, good evening. How are you? I'm all right. Hanging in you. Um, I want to talk about, I just watched it. They got a, a sacrifice, sacrifice fly. Yeah. Um, this is loaded. The mess can't, they just can't get out of their way. But I want yeah, to they, talk they, about they can't get any of these offensive outbursts when they have right. a pitcher on the ropes. It seems like early on anymore. And I, I like your beginning. You make me laugh. I don't, I don't understand why they can't get the proper hit at the right time. Never happens, but that's not why I called. Okay. Uh, Aaron Rodgers in the Jets. Now, you think our defense is good enough to take us to the promised land? Well, the defense was top five in the league last year, right? Why wouldn't it be good enough again this year? Well, you know why I talk about that? Because you know how many games we lost at the end of the year, and, and the defense gives up all these points in the fourth quarter. Um, can you explain that to me? I don't know. Sure. Is that kind of I would, I'd love to if you give me a chance. And, and what I'll say to that is, uh, listen. you know, the defense more often, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm going to say they probably averaged maybe only allowing between 17 and 20 points a game. Think about this, Tom. It's 2023. Okay, this ain't the days when, you know, Bronco Nagurski and Otto Graham were out there on the football field and it was three yards in a cloud of dust. (laughs) Nowadays, it's wide open. It's passing. It's offensive. Don't you think a team that's, you know, worth anything should be able to score more than 20 points a game on average? Of course they should. Right. You're a decent playoff team. You should average more than 20 points a game. Well, the Jets couldn't last year. You know, so my point is, is that yeah, maybe the defense gave up some points late in some of these games. But if the offense was actually scoring more points in the first three and a half quarters of these games, then the defense wouldn't be in a situation where they had to keep the opposing team under 17 or whatever it was to win a game. Now you've got an offense which should be a hell of a lot better than it was last year. Maybe that gives the defense a little bit longer of a leash. It works both ways. Well, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers and, and the receivers 
and a draft we did. I think if we could put up 28 to 35 points a game, we're going to win, win a lot more games. Tom, if the Jets average between 28 and 35 points a game, I could be on the starting defensive line, and they'd win yeah. double-digit games. I know it's not easy, but, uh, I mean, think about what we did last year. We weren't really that good at the end of games. No, they weren't good at the end of games, but they also weren't good at scoring points really throughout most of the games offensively. And, Tommy, thanks for the phone call. It's great to hear from you. Right? I mean, there's no other way around it. Right? The offense was inconsistent at best. And especially second half of the season, you know, in those games that, you know, Zach Wilson had to start when, um, you know, he went through his slump and they couldn't get any offense going. And then when Mike White got hurt again, they had a hard time putting points on the scoreboard. It, it, it works both ways. Like I said, I bring up that Lions game again only because Artie brought it up. You know, whatever the hell the final score was in that game, what was it, like 20 to 17 maybe or, or something like that? Let me pull up the score. I can't even remember. But if the offense had actually, you know, scored, let's say, 24 points that day, which is not asking a lot, it was 20 to 17. Voila. The offense scored 24 points that day against the Lions defense, which wasn't even all that good last year. All right? They walk off the field a winner. I remember saying it in the postgame that afternoon in the coaches club with Greg. You know, the offense should have had a better performance. If Mike White played that game against the Lions, I thought that they would have did to, to Detroit what they ended up did, doing to Chicago with Mike White, which is move the ball up and down the field and score a hell of a lot of points. But that didn't happen, and that's why he lost, right? I mean, think about it. Even the games that they lost late in the season – that the Thursday night game in the rain against the Jaguars, which was as bad as it gets. Jacksonville only scored 19 that night. Defense still held them to under 20. You go out there and score 20 points, you win a game. The New Year's Day disaster in Seattle, which was over on like the first play of the game when Seattle broke off like that 80-yard run. Seattle scored 23 points that day. It's not like they scored 43. They scored 23 points. The offense scored six. Who are you beating? So you mean to tell me an Aaron Rodgers-led offense with the weapons that they have on that side of the ball that they can average, I'm going to say generously, maybe 24 points a game? I think this defense is more than capable of keeping opponents under 24 consistently enough over the course of a long season. Now, look, you got to stay healthy. You got to stay healthy. And I brought that up yesterday as well. Because, yes, there's optimism. And, yes, the roster looks pretty good. But there's also, I think, a greater sense of, and the word I used was fragility with this Jets team this season. Because if one guy goes down, and the reason I brought it up was because of the innocent little calf strain that Rodgers had at the OTAs the other day, which is why he had to stand on the sidelines and watch practice. But, God forbid, he goes down. Aren't you back to where you were last year? At square one? And he got to watch number two operate the offense? Right? And if they really had a hell of a lot of confidence in, in, in Zach Wilson running this offense, and guess what? Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be here. And look at that, folks. Two batters into the game. <laughs> Silly me. I said three or four. Two batters into the game. Carlos Carrasco has promptly surrendered the one nothing Mets lead. As Dansby Swanson just hit one to uh, Lake, uh, Lake Michigan. Oh, my Lord. By golly.
Yeah. Nelson in Long Island is up next. Hello, Nelson. How the hell are you? How's it going, buddy? It's always a pleasure. What's up, Nell? Uh, I tell you, I remember as a kid when the Jets got Boomer Sison, I was ecstatic. I was happy. When we got O'Donnell. I said, you know, he's going to bring the Pittsburgh style to New York. When we got Brett Favre. It, it, it grows in as a kid. But the one thing I can say about Rodgers, and I'm seeing it now with, with the young studs that we have on the defensive side and also on the offense, he's going to get those two sides to gel together. The defense is down, offense will pick him up. The offense is down, defense will pick him up. We just got to get those two sides to coexist. Like, we'll stop him, you outrun him. We, we outrun, you put him down. I think it's, it's going to be productive. I, I'm not guaranteeing the Super Bowl, but I do see something productive coming out of New York this year. I mean, Nelson, look, I think we can all agree that things would have to go catastrophically bad for this team to not make the playoffs this year. Would you agree with that? I agree. You know what I mean? So that being said, and look, this is the Jets, okay, where they don't exactly, you know, excel when it comes to prosperity over the, you know, course of the franchise's history over the last 60 years. But on paper – this team is more than good enough, more than good enough to contend. So, but you uh, got to stay this. healthy. I've been a season ticket holder for the last five years, and there's only been one game I stood up throughout the whole thing. Actually, two. The Buffalo one, which is on a Thursday, they lost, killed me. Mm-hmm. And then this year when they beat Miami, I'm actually looking forward to not leaving at halftime or the beginning of the third quarter. Well, Nelson, I think that there's going to be more good days than bad ones with your season tickets. And, you know, come swing by and see us at the game on Sundays, too, before and after the game. Appreciate the phone call, as always. It's going to be – look, it's going to be a fun year. It goes without saying. There is more hype and more optimism for this upcoming season for the Jets than there probably has been in – I don't know when. I don't don't even think the Brett Favre year is, is going to equate to that. Because, remember, the Brett Favre year happened, like, late in the process. That happened in August. So you were already, like, in. You were already invested. Like, you had no choice. Season was underway already, you know, with training camp of the preseason. This, this is building, building, building to where, like, September can't get here fast enough. Tickets are flying. They, they can't keep tickets. They can't keep any seats. They're flying out the window. Just like Met Leeds on the road with Carlos Carrasco on the mound. Oh, dear. Anyway. 800-919-3776. That was a good first hour. That was the best first hour we did today, as a matter of fact. When we come back, still got 30 more minutes to play with. We'll get into some Giants, and we'll get into some basketball as well. Grasa show till 830. Then it's Heat Celtics, 98.7 ESPN. I like your beginning. You make me laugh. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.